to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's a joy to be in worship with you this morning. We continue our sermon series, The Short Stories of Jesus. We're looking at these parables that Jesus uses to teach his listeners, his followers. Parables are stories that are thrown alongside our lives to help shine a light on our lives, help illuminate them, help us get clarity. Sometimes they surprise us. They open our eyes to realities and things that we didn't previously recognize or see. And so the parables wake us up. Last week we looked at what it means to live with the end in mind, to be rich towards God and not to hoard up our possessions. And today we're going to look at some very practical advice that Jesus gives. Sometimes we think Jesus is just this great, not just, but is this great spiritual teacher about kind of spiritual uh, realities. But here he gets very practical. It's very earthy. It's about where you should sit yourself at a dinner party, right? And so this is something you can apply to your life. Today it's very practical. So let's look at Luke 14, verses 7 through 14. Listen for the word of the Lord. When he noticed, or when Jesus noticed, how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might teach us about a very practical reality, or one that has to do with humility, about where to sit, And Lord, help that inform not just our own lives, but our community's life. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray, amen. What are the best seats you've ever had? Have you ever had great seats at a concert? Or maybe you've gone to a play and you've sat up front and you felt like you were a part of the action, you were a part of the play. You're at a Presbyterian church. Have you ever sat in the best seats in the house in the very last row. (laughs) Let me tell you the the best seats I ever had. It was back in 2007, and I had just graduated from Princeton Seminary the year before. And I'm a huge basketball fan, as you know, 
And that year, Atlanta was chosen to host the men's NCAA basketball Final Four, the tournament. I really wanted to go, but the tickets were so expensive, I couldn't justify the cost. I figured it would be cool, though, just to be in the same city that the Final Four was happening. But then a few days before the tournament, I got a call from Jeannie. Jeannie lives in New Jersey. See, during seminary, I was a manny, a, a male nanny. And I watched Jeannie's two middle school kids for several years, about 20 hours a week. And I kept them alive and in school, so she thought I was a success. And so she calls me and she says, Jeff, did you know that the Final Four is in Atlanta this weekend? Yes, Jeannie, I know. Well, Jeff, I've been given a couple extra tickets to the game. Would you like to go with me? After I picked myself up off the floor, I said, yes, yes, I, I, I will go with you. I can't wait. I didn't know where the seats would be, but I figured just being in the building where the games were happening would be worth it. I was so excited. And isn't this the attitude that Jesus says we need to have in our lives? Isn't this the point he's making in this parable? Just be grateful and happy you're in the building. Don't have an attitude that you need the best seat. Just be glad that you're at the table. In verse 8, he says, When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor. Don't be greedy. Just be thankful there's a spot for you at the table. My wife taught me this principle early on in our relationship, and she, she says it like this. Play to lose, you win. Play to lose, you win. Okay, let me give you an example. So for a time, we went to a lot of plays. And I'm not like a huge play guy. I'm definitely not a musical guy, but we were going to these. And basically, we played to lose, you win. And so what we did is we said, I bet this play is going to be the most boring, worst play ever. It's probably not going to be very interesting. It's going to be way too long. The plot won't make any sense. This probably have subpar acting. Ugh. Play to lose, you win. So then you say, well, why did you go? Well, it, it'll be nice to get out of the house. We'll get some snacks, maybe a glass of wine, go to dinner after. So we played to lose, you win. Because then, if the play was any good at all, we were like, that was a winner. That was great. And if it was totally terrible, we didn't care because that's what we expected anyway. We were playing to lose, you win. Or maybe, did you ever do this? Um, like you forgot to study for a test or a quiz or an exam. And you're like, oh no. And so then you figure it into your GPA if you get a zero. And you're like, oh well. Then you take the test. And if you get any of the answers right, if you get anything above a zero, you're like, I did a great job. My GPA is higher than I thought it was going to be. You're playing to lose, and you win. You can do this. I wouldn't do it in every part of your life, but in some ways it's helpful to play to lose, you win. Don't think you are going to get the best seat in the house. Take the seat of humility, because if you take the prominent position, you may go through a time of embarrassment where the host puts you at the lower place. Sit at the low place, and you might get promoted to the position of prominence. Jesus says, but when you're invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Well, so Jeannie comes to town, and I pick her up at her hotel, and then we go down to the Georgia Dome where the game's happening. 
She gives me my ticket, and so we walk into the dome. We kind of find where our aisle is, and there's an usher standing at the top of the stairs. And you hand him your ticket, and then he directs you where you're going to sit. And so we hand him our tickets. He says, wow, these are nice seats. I said, where are they? He says, walk down the stairs and keep going. I said, keep going? Down the stairs? He says, yes, to the front row. At half court. The front row. Are you kidding me? Just keep walking, sir. And I was so excited. The student bands are playing. You can smell the popcorn. The place was electric. And as I'm walking down the stairs, I'm looking at all the luminaries of basketball history. There's Ralph Sampson, 7-4 in all his glory. There's Magic Johnson. There's John Thompson. And I'm walking down the stairs to the front row. And I can just tell people, like, who's that guy? (laughs) He must be somebody. I, I wish I could tell you how awesome it felt to be ushered into the seat of prominence, sitting among all my heroes at half court in the front row at the final four. If I would have assumed I deserved those seats, if I would have assumed that I should be sitting in, a, in great seats, I would have lost the opportunity, the joy, the surprise of getting moved up to the front row. Play to lose, you win. I have a question for you, though. How should we seat people around the table? What strategy should we use for our seating chart? Jesus seems to say there should be intentionality in how we seat people. See, in ancient times, there were strict rules and strict customs about how you kept table fellowship. There were rules about whom you could or could not eat with. It was like a high school cafeteria on steroids. Jocks over here. Mean girls over there, geeks over here, band kids over there. Everyone has their place. And I know we probably all can remember those days. But many of us never think about how we arrange the chairs. There's a book maybe you should check out called The Chairs Are Where the People Go. How to Live, Work, and Play in the City. It's by Misha Globerman, written with Sheila Hetty. And the title essay the chairs are where the people go, is a fascinating look and reflection and insightful kind of analysis about how we should set up chairs. Something we often don't think about. Listen to what he says here. There's a thoughtlessness in how people consider their audience that's reflected in how they set up chairs. You have to think about where you put your chairs. For some events, it's good to have a few, if any, chairs. At a cocktail party, you want people to mingle. And if you put down a lot of chairs, people won't move around at all. For a music show or something that people can talk through, the same thing applies. Standing during, a, in, during music is fun because you can dance or talk or move around. And then he goes on to give advice about how you should set up chairs for a play, a show, a conference, and a brunch. And then he gives some great advice. He says this, setting up chairs takes a lot of time. But anyone can do it. If you're running a project and you want to get people involved, ask them to set up chairs. People like to set up chairs, and it's easy work to delegate. It's even easier to get people to put chairs away. Everyone should know these things. In many ways, reading this essay transformed my ministry when I was 
used to do strictly college young adult ministry. I had people set up the chairs, and it got them involved, got them talking. I had them pick up the chairs. I didn't do it for them. We did it together. Setting up and taking down chairs is the easiest thing. Arrange your chairs, he's saying, around functionality. What do you want the chairs to do? Do you want people to talk to one another? To worship together? Pay attention. It's not about your status or your prestige or your identity. That's how we arrange chairs. No, it's about the function. Jesus has constituted our community, has gathered us together and transformed how we arrange ourselves, how we organize ourselves. We do it with a fundamental belief in our equality in Jesus Christ. We lose all those other identities and come as one in Christ. In his letter to the church in Galatia, Paul writes, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Saying when we come into the church, we are united in equality in Jesus Christ. We find our fundamental identity in Christ. And that transforms how we relate to one another. Our book of order used to say, which is like the governing constitution of our church. It says, in the church among members, those, there's no difference in status, but only in function. There's no difference in status, only in function. What does that mean? That means the elders were taking elder nominations. They're not any better. They just have a different function. The pastors are no better than anyone else. They just simply have a, a different function. Jesus rearranges the way we arrange our table that we are united in Jesus Christ. And this metaphor of chairs around the table are truly reordered in Jesus Christ. So when we do communion in this service, we come on equal playing field, on a level playing ground. When an RPC couple heard about my sermon topic today, they reminded me of a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that aired back in November. You know, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasms with Larry David. And he's invited to a dinner party. And he's invited with a bunch of friends. And it comes time for them to sit down for dinner. And so the hostess invites everybody in. And so the hostess and her husband, they sit each at the end. And then there's six other folks, three on each side. And so there's, that's how they're arranged around the table. Well, this, this dinner party gets started off on the bad foot. Because the inner couple on the inside, on the long edge of the table, they begin to dominate the conversation. And they make it the most, it's the most uninteresting, insipid conversation. Everybody's falling asleep. The party is a complete disaster. The hostess goes in. She calls Larry in and Larry, they're talking. She says, oh, this, this party's a disaster. Can it be saved? And Larry makes a, an interesting insight. He says, the problem is, you sat Andy and Cassie in the middle. And he says, in the middle, you have to be able to carry the conversation. You're like the point guard of the conversation where you have to distribute the ball. You have to make it interesting. Involve everyone if you're in the middle. You can't have Andy and Cassie in the middle. She says, well, what, can it be saved? He says, yes, I'll take care of it. So he goes back in, says, okay, we're going to rearrange the table in the seating chart. And he puts himself and Vince Vaughn in the middle. 
And it's so funny because they begin, start telling a story that everybody's interested in, and then they say, oh, that reminds me. Didn't you have a similar story like that? And then that person picks up the ball and starts to participate and lead in the conversation. And it bounces around. Everybody's engaged. Everybody's involved. It's interesting. Why? Because they're all playing their role. We all have a role to play. We all have a seat at the table. Some of us are middlers, but not everybody is. We all have our calling, our certain function. Some folks are called to the prayer quilt ministry here at RPC. Some to prayers of squares. Some are called to volunteer in children's and youth ministry. Some are called to be ushers. Some to serve in mission outreach and neighborhood action. We're all called to serve. For some of us, to give generously, financially. God calls us all to serve, to have our own spot at the table. No one is more valuable have a higher status than anyone else. We are united in Jesus Christ. And that's why we are called to be humble people. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's definition of humility. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think he's right. Life has a way of, when you get an inflated sense of self, ego, big head, life has a way of bursting your bubble. After walking down that long flight of stairs, we made it to our seats at the Georgia Dome. We sat there, taking in the view, the players warming up with their layups, high-fiving each other. I just couldn't believe I was at half court in the front row. I turned to Jeannie. I said, Jeannie, how'd you get these seats? She says, well, Jeff, you remember Susan, who's next door, who I'm such good friends with? I said, yeah, I remember her. She says, well, her husband... He's the athletic director at Princeton. And this year, he's the chair of the selection committee for the NCAA tournament. There was another couple on the committee that couldn't come, so he gave us their seats. So that's amazing. I know people. I'm connected. I, I'm, I'm like looking around. Jeff Myers. Need anything? Jeff Myers. You know, like, I'm like, and so then I turn, there's this like kind of old white guy sitting next to me, and I feel like, he wants to know who he's sitting next to. And Jeff Myers. He goes, hmm, John Havlicek. I said, John Havlicek of Ohio State fame, Boston Celtics, 1965 Eastern Conference Finals. Havlicek stole the ball. Havlicek stole the ball. Every basketball fan knows it. John, you're one of the 75 best, greatest basketball players ever. I can't believe it. Let me tell you, I was way more interested in sitting next to him than he was me. <laughs> Don't take the best seat. Wait for the host to invite you up. Remember, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And remember, you never know who you might be sitting next to. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for every person that's here. They're unique and called to sit at the table that you invite us to. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for this great community that we're a part of, all the people we get to meet and get to know and get to care for and love. Lord, we pray that we might find our identity in you. And, Lord, that we might remember we never know who we're sitting next to. In your name we pray.
been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.